Hey, and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. I'm Steve Burge, and in this episode, I'm talking with Alex from Perfect Dashboard. Now, Perfect Dashboard is a SaaS product which allows you to automatically update lots of WordPress and Joomla sites in one go. Originally, they were targeting individual users, but recently they've pivoted to focusing on hosting customers, so hosting companies can update masses of sites in one go. Alex is based in Poland, and over the last five years, he has been full of energy. He has pivoted his business several times from an agency to a software business to a SaaS business, and recently... Perfect Dashboard have been accepted for Skydeck Berkeley, one of the most prestigious accelerators in the US. Alex is now based out there, and he's working with a crack team who are helping him develop Perfect Dashboard even further out in California. In this episode, we talk about his story, and we also go deep inside the hosting industry and the WordPress industry to hear about the opportunities that Alex thinks are available. Hey, welcome, Alex. Hi, Steve. How are you? Great, thanks. So, Alex, you are one of those people who, if you follow them on social media, they're always wheels up, wheels down, wheels up, wheels down, flying from one country to another. Uh, where are you now? I'm actually at home, Krakow, Poland, for a little while. I just got back from California last week. Ah, uh, yeah, I think congratulations are in order, right? Uh, what were you doing out in California? Well, we're now, I can now officially tell that, that we are part of Skydeck Acceleration Program at University of Berkeley, California. And that's where I'm spending lots of my time these days. So Skydeck is, it's an incubator based inside Berkeley University? Yes. It actually means that the university has invested in us and means that it also profit from our success, which is very helpful in terms of, you know, opening doors to many Berkeley alumni that are, you know, happy to help knowing that Berkeley will participate in our success. Oh, okay. So you are based there in Berkeley. They have very similar to Y Combinator or one of the other hubs that people may have heard of. They put capital in you. They give you mentors. They give you connections, like a real jolt of energy to your business. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's uh, of course, there is some money involved, but it's not the money that makes it. It's it's all about network, connection, exposure. And, you know, it's also about putting so many people trying to do something on such a tiny space because we constantly talk to each other. No matter we're operating in different industries, you know, we're able to talk with each other about the same problems we have. So, you know, no matter you're looking for a cure for cancer or you're trying to make hosting companies more innovative as we do, it's still, you know, still we're facing same challenges on some levels. So is what Perfect Dashboard does changing a little bit? For those of you who may or may not have come across Perfect Dashboard before, originally you were a perhaps a competitor to a company like Managed WP. You'd allow people to update sites. You had some really cool innovations as well. But it sounds as if you're changing a little bit. It sounds as if you're moving towards targeting hosting companies in general and allowing them to innovate, as hosting companies are often famous for moving slowly. Well, to be honest, you know, still our premier product, Autobator, is all about keeping Joomla and WordPress websites up to date. That's where we are. But exactly working in programs like the one in Skydeck gives you access to people who ask you smart questions. And those smart questions helps you to realize that actually, you know, going after every single website owner or even website developer is not the fastest way to grow your business. 
because you know you can only reach out to a limited number of website owners that way. And if you start working with hosting companies and you actually start selling through hosting companies, well, you know, today we have signed the agreement with the fourth largest US hosting company. And this way we've got access to hundreds of thousands of websites we could offer our technology. So, you know, it's not only a huge business opportunity for this company and for ourselves, but it's also, you know, a great way for us to make sure that more CMS-based websites are up to date every day. Okay, so the people at Skydeck are prompting you to take smarter approaches, more scalable approaches? Yeah, I would say so. Like, I think that one of the biggest gains there is that they are asking right questions. And one of my favorite being like, okay, so what do you need to move as, you know, twice as fast as you're moving right now? Okay, so you're Polish originally, but you basically moved yourself and your entire company over to Berkeley for this opportunity? Well, that's partly true. Like, we still keep our engineering in Poland because, you know, Poles are famous for being great engineers. You know, we were the ones who have cracked the Enigma code, and it's still a valid thing. Like, we do know how to code. However, there are other aspects of business, especially on sales and marketing, where, you know, the, the U.S. way of thinking is extremely helpful. So we try to take, you know, the best of both sides of the pond, and that's how we work. So we still have team in Poland, but we have a growing team in the U.S., so Skydeck is pretty competitive to get into? Oh, yeah, that's right. I know, I, will, I know it was difficult. It took us like three interviews and my two trips to California to get in. But it only, only at the inauguration of the program, I've learned that it's actually more difficult to get admitted to MIT or Harvard than to, for a startup company to get accepted to Skydeck. So, yeah, I didn't realize that it's such a big thing. And, you know, we're pretty excited to be the first company from Poland to get accepted. Oh, okay. So most of the companies there have a fairly traditional US background, but you're the first Polish company and perhaps one of the first European companies to get there? Well, one of the few. I do know that there are other European companies, but again, there are 20 companies that are that are in the cohort. So, you know, to squeeze in to be one of those 20, that's not easy. But it's, you know, now I see why everybody is trying to get in there because the, you know, the amount of support it's enormous. Like, that's incredible journey. So how long have you been there now? How long have you been accepted and working inside the program? Well, so the program officially started at the beginning of June. So it means we're almost three months in right now. But it hasn't been made public until like six weeks ago because they gave us some time to get ready for you know all the media attention that uh, is usually connected with the announcement of the new cohort. So we had some time to actually work and get ready for all the questions, all the attention that, you know, that kicked in in the moment they've announced what are the new cohort companies. Oh, okay. So you had to keep it secret for a while? Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I, you've said that I'm a wheels up, wheels down person. Actually, the thing is that I cannot post around half of the trips I'm making because I'm <laughs> either visiting customers who are, you know, not announced yet. So, you know, I cannot say like, you know, I'm if I were to say, like, I've been to Florence four times this year, uh, you know, everyone in the industry will know what company I'm talking about. And the same thing, you know, I cannot, I wasn't actually admitting that I, I've been to California, like, every single month this year. Oh, so your travel addiction is even worse than it seems? Yeah, oh, it is. <laughs> like, I'm doing 150 flights a year. So it's an enormous learning curve. You feel like you've been dropped in the, the deep end of the swimming pool as soon as you arrive at Berkeley? Yeah, that's, you know, for me, it's quite of the process because you start up, my startup journey is like two or three years long. So, uh, you know, I remember my first 
time I arrived in California, which was a couple of years ago, at that time we were part of the Polish Silicon Bridge program that helped, that was connecting, you know, promising young entrepreneurs with seasoned mentors in the Valley. And I remember, you know, my first experience, not only with the US culture, but also with the business culture, like how hard working people are out there. You know, how I, I remember my first thing was like, okay, I belong in here. Like, finally, I have, it's okay to arrange a meeting at 8 a.m. or 7.30. And no one is like, that's too early to have a meeting. You know, that's not a thing you'll see in my part of Europe. You find that the culture in Poland is a little bit less obsessive with work? Yeah, I would, I would say that it's generally true about Europe. It's not limited to Poland, like from what I've seen in other European countries. We're just a little bit more relaxed when it comes to working hard. Like we don't work as hard and we're, we're, we're stick to like 40 hour a week work day. And that's definitely not true when it comes to states, which is helpful because this way people are, you know, people are obsessed with work. And, but this way they're also, they're all over the place. Like it's so easy to meet people you want to meet and talk to that. It's people are just generally more open and more available. I would say it that way. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people who are Europeans that have lived in the States for a decade or two decades. At a certain point, the sheer pace of the work culture over here does tend to burn them out. It's noticeably different from Europe. The yeah. people that go but back I, to I Europe. I believe I had this pace from the very beginning, so that's easier. That's easier for me. But, you know, the other interesting thing I see often between European and US people is that, and I even see it within the company as we have a mixed team on both sides of the pond, that, you know, my European colleagues are way more dedicated. And in the same time, I would say that my US colleagues are way more passionate about things. Huh. And you can see that this clash from time to time in, in, in this approach. What do you mean by, by dedicated? How do you describe that? Well, I would say that, you know, dedicated for me is like hardworking, but not necessarily very happy in terms of like they're not expressing their joy so much as people in the US. So you can you can see that clash even on the meetings. Like my US colleagues will tell that they're excited about something three times a day. At the same time, you won't hear that once a month from my Polish colleague. There's a certain attitude, perhaps the work is work in Poland and it's it, like a Protestant work ethic. It's it's hard work. It's not meant to be fun. Yeah, that's yeah, that's there's something in it. It was in the U.S. It's kind of this is my life. This is my passion. It, there's mm -hmm. a, probably here too much in the U.S. that you're meant to be passionate about your work, and it's meant to be a massive, fulfilling part of your life. Yeah, and that's. Um, that, I think that you've nailed it. So take me back. You've ended up taking these enormous learning leaps every time I talk with you. Take me back to the beginning. How did you get started on this journey, which ended you up? or at the moment, has ended you up in Berkeley. Yeah, I was just about to say that, you know, it's it's definitely not an end. Like, Many more I steps to come. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember years ago when we were launching Perfect Dashboard, when we finally developed the version that was ready for the market, so the MVP. I remember I've spoken with Ken Singer, our lead mentor, friend, and board member, who actually works at UC Berkeley. And I told him, like, okay, now once the product is done, it'll be easier now. Like, we're, that'll be, you know, an easier path. We'll be going down the road. He said, no, 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 it, it, it's only going to be steeper and steeper. And he was so right. It's always steeper and steeper and it's always an uphill battle, but that's what makes it exciting. Like it's the, the challenge, as, as we learn a lot, it's exciting that, that the challenge becomes bigger. But you were asking about the, the very beginning. So if we go back in time, five years ago, I was running a web agency here in Poland. 
working for you know, everyone from the biggest universities through big companies. And, you know, that was fun on some level. But on the other hand, like it was it was not sustainable. Like, no, you've got the project, you've made money on the project and then you had to find another project. So that wasn't the best part of it. So we felt like, OK, we could enhance that slightly by offering website management. So we started to do that. You know, that's like a regular recurring money that we were getting every month. So. That was like the first lesson of business development in a way that, okay, how we can switch the business model or shift the business model so that we're more on a retainer fee and le- or something recurring less on, on one-time fees. Then we looked at the cost side of those management deals. That's where the actual first version of Perfect Data Product Updater came, came into play because we thought like, okay, we need something to decrease the cost because we were still getting the same fixed amount of money. So if we'll lower the cost of the time that we use there, then we'll make more dollars on it. So, you know, that was the, that was the next thing. And then we felt like, okay, so maybe we should start offering that to other people than just, you know, our own personal. Maybe, you know, if we find it useful, if it helps us to make more money, maybe there are other folks that could utilize that to make more money. So, you know, we've raised the first round, partly in Berkeley, partly in Poland, and we've used that money from our investors to go after the market. Can you tell me more about that? So you're sitting in your office in um, in Krakow, in Poland, to some extent, a long way away from any traditional lines of investment. How did you and your team sit down there and say, we want to get investment, we think we have a business which can scale? Take me through that process. Okay, so at first we thought we'll bootstrap it all the way meaning we will use our own money to do that. We still had, you know, a web agency that was bringing us good money. And in the same time, we have saved quite a lot of money from the previous years. So instead of spending the money we've earned in the agency, we're keeping it on the side thinking, okay, this is the capital we're going to use to actually go from a service company to more of a product one. But then at some moment, we've realized that actually having investors is not only about their money, There's also something else that is extremely important, which is a chain of trust. Meaning it's not only about investors and, you know, money you get from them. It's also about them as people, access to their contact network, access to their knowledge. And also the fact that other people will think, okay, if that guy has trust in you, then I'm more likely to trust you. And it's also very helpful in terms of, you know, customers, because customers also want to make sure that, especially if you're a startup, you have secured, you know, you've secured source of financing for you. So you will be uh, you will be around in a year or two. So where did you turn from your agency in Krakow? Were there European sources of funding? Did you have to come to the US? So first, you know, first we've just announced to our small at the time network of investors that yes, we are fundraising, and we were surprised that actually some people just replied pretty quickly. And if you're fundraising, then I'm in. I've mentioned before Ken Singer from from the School of Entrepreneurship at UC Berkeley. He was the first one to say, okay, I'm willing to invest. And obviously that was an important sign for other people. It is a thought like, okay, if, if a managing director of the School of Entrepreneurship at UC Berkeley invested in such a deal, then well, probably the guys know something. So that was helpful. And then, well, I just went through a typical fundraising path. So I started to show up at the events where investors were looking for interesting projects to fund. And I think the pivotal moment for us for the first round was when we have won the Dragon's Den. I don't know if you know the TV series or TV format. Oh, yeah, it has a um, a different... Dragon's Den, I think, is the name they have for the show in England. In the US, I think it's Shark Tank. Same format. Yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's exactly it. We've won the Polish edition. 
and actually the oh, you went on TV the head of well I'm not I, that should be filmed uh, I know that was you know that it was actually the it happened one of the biggest polls in Warsaw so there was like 700 people in attendance and there a lot of them investors uh, but actually my final or our main investor for that round was the head of the fund that was actually in the jury for that program so after after the the program she contacted us and said like okay yeah, I like you guys I want to talk with you because I think there's something in in what you have oh, okay so you got some local funding from Poland as well some funding from the US what comes next is that when your travel starts to kick off when you have a little bit of money in the bank to actually travel and do some marketing what comes after the initial investment so the after the initial investment we had a like two goals first we wanted to get in front of as many people as possible to you know further test the waters because we had some hypothesis about where are, where is the room for growth that hasn't been proven yet but in the same time majority of our focus and majority of our money went into the into okay we know that you know it was helpful for us as an agency we were able to get like 100 paying customers for perfect dashboard before the investment so we thought like okay so why don't we just pour more money into marketing to get more agencies more web professionals to sign in uh, and start using and paying for a perfect dashboard auto updater and that's exactly what we did and surprisingly we failed we failed badly we've got enormous interest from those people but it occurred that the cost of acquiring a single user is so high that the lifetime value of the customer, so the amount of money we'll make throughout the entire uh, time of this customer with us is lower than the amount we had to spend to get this person to buy the product. And it's a somewhat crowded market as well, right? There's Managed WP, Infinite WP, a whole bunch of others that are offering auto updates. And maybe you have some secret sauce to add on top, but it's definitely a busy market. Oh yeah, it, it is. We thought that actually our main competitor is not any of the other solutions. It's more of, uh, you know, I've heard it so many times that, you know, I'm too busy updating websites uh, to test your tool that will save my time on website <laughs> update. So yeah, I, I've heard it so many times that I, I, you know, it's, I think that's, that's an issue and that, that got us thinking because, you know, we're running out of money. We've seen that the conversion cost is high. So I felt like, okay, we need to do something about that. And that was the exact moment when we decided to do a pivot. And our way of thinking was like, okay, so what is our biggest problem? Our biggest problem is that we don't, that we pay too much for access to customers. Like we don't, we cannot do that. It's not sustainable. So we're like, okay, so who has access to people we want to get access to? And then we figure out, oh, that's hosting companies. So we've started to take a closer look and see, okay, so what are the problems that hosting companies are facing, which we could solve for them so that they would be interested in working with us. And once we get closer to that industry, we realize that actually their biggest problem is that they have problems with growing revenue, meaning they are focused on growing revenue from their existing customers, but they have nothing to offer them, which end users were interested in buying. So then for like, okay, maybe if we would offer auto-updater through those web hosting companies, then that will be a win-win partnership. They will get something and we'll get something from it. And that's exactly what we've done next. Okay, so you started getting on the, on the plane, going to more WordPress conferences, more hosting conferences as well. Um, what's it 
What's it like to try and sell to a hosting company? These are often fairly massive companies with enormous revenues. They it need something really special to get their attention often, right? Yeah, well, it occurred that what we have in-house with our perfect dashboard now top data was exactly it. But it's true, Steve, that there's an important mind shift there. Like it took us quite a long time to realize that we're not begging hosting companies for anything. It's, it is a partnership, meaning they have a problem we can solve and we can help them the same, in the same way they can help us. Meaning no one is doing anyone a favor here. So has it been an advantage, you think, coming from a slightly different background, coming from Eastern Europe rather than, I'm sure many of the people from the incubator in Berkeley come from Chicago or the Midwest of the US or more traditional backgrounds. Has it been an advantage for you coming from a slightly different angle? You can maybe have a different perspective. I know the European hosting industry is very different from the American one. Has there been ways in which your Polish background has helped you in this journey? Well, I think it has, mostly because it's, you know, there are other international founders in, in Skydeck. Yeah, Skydeck tries to keep it like the equal proportion between local Berkeley founders and founders from the outside of the country. But the thing is that, you know, understanding the, huh, how to put it, I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout my startup journey so far is that the word is way more diverse than I thought it is. And the more context, you know, the more, you know, the better you know how the life looks like in India, in Poland, in the UK, in the US, on the East Coast or the West Coast, or especially in the middle of the country, you know, you get a better grasp on what are the problems that could be solved and also what are the opportunities out there. And I think that like being from abroad, no matter from where you are, is extremely helpful. That It gives you this context, like the... The thing that you understand that the word is no, you know, is way more diverse than you thought it is. You know what? You're one of the few people who have genuinely shocked me in that regard. I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I went to WordCamp Miami or I went to this um, affiliate summit in Las Vegas. Quite often, if I'm talking with you, you'll say, oh, I just came back from a hosting conference in India or China, really trying hard to get a different perspective and hear how things work in a very different situation. Yeah, because it's. I think it's extremely important because of two reasons. First, if you want to build something that is global, that solves a global problem, you need to understand, you know, the different types of uh, or different faces of our global world. That's first. And the second thing is that usually when you have idea, when you are in the idea stage, it's like, okay, so where should I start? Where is this, you know, point of least resistance? where I should start, where I will get the you know best traction, the most early adopters. And that's, again, the place where knowing how diverse the word is comes in handy. Because you may understand that, okay, so my product will work extremely well in India. And that's a great start and I can scale it up there. It does have a global potential, but that's where the early adopters will come from. So you went to India. Did you manage to get into China? Did I, um, do you remember that right? So China is still still on my list. That's true. However, it's it's definitely something that that I should do in 2018 to make sure. Actually, I've already has scheduled Australia, which I also heard is slightly different from the US and UK. You know, I've covered Africa, at least part of it. And Asia is a huge continent. Like, you know, India is so different from Turkey and, you know, 
And that's so different from China or Thailand. It's actually, you know, we need to remember that like half of the world population lives there. And the hosting company, the hosting industry, I believe, is fairly segmented according to countries that you have hosting companies which are enormous in Italy or enormous in Turkey or enormous in Norway that maybe have an enormous share of the market. But if you ask someone outside the country, if they've ever heard of them, these hosting companies would be completely unknown outside the country. Yeah, in Europe, that's definitely true. But for example, if you go to India, most of their market is taken by the same hosting companies as those that you know in the US. That will be Endurance and GoDaddy. So Bluehost and GoDaddy will be the most popular brands in there. They do have some local brands, but that's not like it's definitely the that's an interesting thing. But what's even more interesting when it comes to web hosting and what I've discovered during all my travel that, you know, in different areas, you'll see a different model on how this business actually works. Like, for example, in States, people usually pay for hosting on a monthly basis. In the same time in Europe, people pay for hosting annually. Then in States, most people who are web hosting customers will be the end users. So the actual people who own the business or the entity that is behind the website. Hence, in India, 90% of hosting accounts are created by web developers who work on behalf of their customers. And there's a lot of those interesting details that you learn as you, you know, as you travel and as you talk to people in different markets. Cool. So you're traveling a lot, but spending a lot of time in Berkeley. What comes next for Perfect Dashboard? Do you have big projects or, or big ideas that you can talk about? Or are you spending the next couple of years with your head down at Berkeley? Uh, what comes next for you? Well, you know, future will tell. But just to give you a very, very small spoiler, and all of those guys who are listening to us right now. You know, we've been recently pitching our product as a tool for a hosting company to make more money. That was the, the main line of thinking, and that was the main thing we've been telling them. And, you know, we've started to look closer to that, and we've started to, you know, take a closer look on how hosting companies make money and what we can do to enhance that and how we can help web hosting company to make even more money quicker. So stay tuned because probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll have some announcements when it comes to that. And, you know, it's always about keeping up the pace. Like whenever I see companies that doesn't evolve and doesn't change, I'm like, okay, they're definitely missing on their chance to grow. So I don't want to be that kind of a company. <laughs> so if you look at your track record in the last five years, you've gone from from an agency to a small internal startup to a fundraising startup to, to moving to Berkeley, we can probably expect even more changes like that over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, in that description, you've missed all the way, you know, the small plugin company that we have created on the side and sold successfully. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of things, but I think it's always with the same purpose. Like I'm looking for a real problem which is so severe that there, are, that there are some people who are willing to pay for this problem to go away. And then once you have that, it's all about, you know, a proper execution to make sure that the business is growing right. Well, it's interesting to see the increased ambition of people in the WordPress space, people like yourself going to brand name incubators, trying to accelerate and grow their business in an incredibly rapid way. We just wrapped up a podcast earlier this week with Jason, the founder of WP Engine. And it was fascinating to hear him talk about his company's ambition that they just appeared on the, the Gardner Magic Quadrant 
the report for enterprise companies. Mm-hmm. And WP Engine were listed up there alongside Adobe and Sitecore and Acquia companies with big, long track records and histories. And Jason's opinion was, we're there because we belong. WP Engine have absolutely every right to be listed alongside Adobe and Sitecore and others that it's time to be more ambitious about how you think about WordPress companies. They, they're working with a platform with 30 plus percent of the web. Why shouldn't they be well, listed even, alongside the giants of the business? Yeah, even I would even add to that that it's not 30 percent. That's pretty important thing to realize when you think of WordPress. How do we get this 30 percent number? It's taken from uh, the official stats that are based on first 10 million of Alex web search engine. So we're talking about 30% in top 10 million websites in the world. If you take the long tail, and I have a chance to work with those long, long tail, you know, on a daily basis with different hosting companies, you're not looking at 30%. You're looking at 60 to 70%. Seriously? Seriously. I, you know, I cannot show you the exact data for every single hosting company I work with, because obviously that's under the NDA, but the average we see is 67% which means that overall in the internet, we're talking about 300 million WordPress websites. So if anything, the constant 25, 27, 29, 30% that this kind of creeps up every so often and people will always mm-hmm. mention is actually underestimating the size of the opportunity in WordPress. Yeah, because that's only the top 10 million of websites. And you know, we should be thinking of all those mom and pass businesses that utilize WordPress. So I do agree with Jason that you know, WordPress belongs there, but it's also true that it's extremely difficult for WordPress related startup to fundraise money. And, you know, WP Engine has been pretty successful with that. We've been pretty successful with that, but apart from the two of us, I know maybe two or three other WordPress related startups that were successfully raising money. And the main reason why, it, why it is so is that uh, investors are allergic to WordPress. And they think that WordPress customers are not willing to pay. So there is no room for a quick growth or exponential growth for the company. So there are also challenges. Like I usually don't mention WordPress in my pitch to investors because that'll be, that'll, that would make way more difficult. Oh, okay. So you say we're pitching towards the hosting industry and, you know, perhaps like WordPress has a, a reputation of being a blog platform, which even after 10 years, it's been hard to eradicate. WordPress still has a little bit of a reputation problem in terms of can it create and start big businesses? Yeah, for investors, I can easily say it's toxic. You know, I've huh. been talking to hundreds of investors in Europe and in States, and WordPress never sells well. Ouch. The hope is that will change? Yeah, there is a chance that, you know, once we'll have more successful startup in that space, and obviously, you know, WP Engine is doing great work in terms of that. You know, we're about to surpass $1 million in funding. And that's all, that also shows something that you are able to successfully raise money and then to prove it, you know, prove that this money put to work can actually make a company successful in WordPress space. But it is difficult. Like, it is not easy to do that. But maybe with, you know, more track record, other hosting, other, sorry, other startups that will enter that space it'll be easier for them to, you know, point fingers at different people and say like, okay, they, they've managed to do that and they were in that space. So you shouldn't say that WordPress is, is a toxic industry to be in. 
So you have a, a big announcement coming up in a couple of weeks. Where can people follow you? Where can they find out that announcement and other stuff you're working on, either through your personal account or through Perfect Dashboard? Well, it's, you can always follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. That's probably the best way you can find me under my full unpronounceable name for most of you. So it's Alexander Kuczek, K-U-C-Z-E-K. I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, you know, you can also follow Perfect Dashboard wherever you want. We're, we keep our secrets pretty tight to our chest. However, from time to time, I tend to share things I'm passionate about. And as uh, work is my biggest passion, you're able to get a pretty good, you know, insider's look on what we're actually, what we are thinking about in every moment if you, if you follow myself. Cool. Wonderful. Uh, well, I hope the Berkeley Skydeck project goes really, really well for you. Thank you. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Looking forward to great things coming from you and Perfect Dashboard. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting journey and, you know, it's, it's great to be able to share. Uh, my story with you and I hope you know you'll find it helpful cool thanks Alex thank you very much Steve